Hey guys, this is Table Talks with the Taras, an inside look at the everyday conversations we have at the table. I'm MJ. I'm Ash. And today we are taking some time to talk about toxic positivity. Ooh, what must we be talking about? Who knows? You have to wait and listen to this episode. I think one of the things for me as a takeaway before we even dive into this is that we care deeply about the ability for you to self-reflect. Yeah, for sure. And one of the critical steps in your ability to self-reflect, because that is what we think where growth happens, includes being honest with where you're at right now. And so we're going to take some time today to talk about this doctor who came out with research regarding how harmful it is to glaze over and suppress every negative emotion with positivity. She, she has the guts to call it toxic positivity. So here's our thoughts on this idea. It's an interesting discussion and we hope that you enjoy. Oh, tell me about your, your latest adventure, babe. What? Yeah. My latest adventure? Yeah. I don't, what do you mean? What have you been doing lately in our house? <laughs> in our garage? Oh, we, uh, we mutually agreed mm. to start a little home gym setup and we finally have everything and I think you and I this past week have worked out in it. So it's been exciting. Yeah. I think what started it was that you came to the gym with me. Which was so fun, by the way. I, I really enjoyed going with you. Yeah. It, it, it's, it's, that gym is, is crazy. That's what I, that's it, what I was getting it ready to It was so say. fun to go with you. Yeah. It was fun to go together, but it's not so fun to have to track down your own dumbbells <laughs> and I, because you're hoarding them all. genuinely i was like actually hoarding them all yeah and i think that's all it took for you to be like man we could get this at our house yeah or maybe it was more hey babe you see how terrible it is over here is that why you had me come this is what you you wanted to come you like want a new car so you're like ooh, take my car to this place see (laughs) see how bad it drives (laughs) and you're like ooh, come to the gym with me all they had was 30 pound weights and I had a freaking crick in my neck the whole rest of the week. <laughs> so yeah, that's all it took. And now we have a gym set up at home. A, a small start. A small start to massive gains. Yep. A small <laughs> step to a long One journey. small step for the Tares. That's right. One giant leap for our health goals. Hopefully. <laughs> yeah. So that's. I've been very excited to do that. And I think this past weekend when we actually set it up, I like actually got sore from like building everything. <laughs> <laughs> that was the workout. <laughs> yeah. And like cutting the tiles and stuff like that. So, yeah. But I like it. I love it. You did a great job. And Thank it's you. so fun. It's so nice to have it right there. too. Yeah. It saves so much. I just, man, I hate the drive. And it's like, if you don't have the equipment you need, what a waste of time. Mm-hmm. That feels like such a waste of time to me. It's a big pet peeve. Exactly. So apparently this is a big COVID type hobby that exploded during COVID. Having a home gym. Yeah. As well as sourdough. <laughs> sourdough. As well as coffee. coffee. So we're just We're late to the game and everything. Yeah. yeah. I think there was probably a spike in a lot of the interest in these things and we're just slow to the party. We were also, you know, pumping out babies, so you know. So there's that. There was, there was that. Yeah. We, we were doing other things, babe. Right. <laughs> we're working other things out. <laughs> yes. 
Okay, do you want to start introing like what you wanted to talk about? Sure. Well, you wanted to talk about this, babe. Yeah, I did want to talk about it because usually some of the things that we end up wanting to talk about is because this is something that you carry in your heart. Me? Yeah. It's it's sometimes because of things that we ingest, like the or consume, like the like. <laughs> wow, this is just. <laughs> It's like the food that we eat, you know, we go to a restaurant and then we're like, here's a podcast episode. Exactly. (laughs) No. Here's my meal. (laughs) No, No, like the things that we listen to, like podcasts or books that we read. That's where a lot Mm -hmm. of these, it sparks conversation. And then we're like, hey, we should just talk about this. Process it live. Yeah. Yeah. So tell me about just the whole premise of what it is that um, this toxic positivity podcast right because this was a podcast that yes, you were listening to it was a podcast and it's obviously been something that you've been very interested in because we've talked about it a lot or we've talked about it some mm-hmm. maybe give us like a summary of like what it is and who it is that you were listening to yeah i was actually going to ask you what you think of when you hear toxic positivity i think toxic positivity is when you are so happy that you're gonna die <laughs> what you're crazy it's like you're just having such a laughing fit that it's actually causing you to stop breathing Uh, okay so Mm -hmm. no cool no cool story i mean i kind (laughs) of know what it is now because you've taken the time to explain it but it's probably a it's probably a label that's meant to stand out in contrast to toxic negativity Mm. that's my guess Mm-hmm. And so maybe it's like the rebuttal to this concept of, you know, you're just a constantly per- negative person mm-hmm. and I don't want to be around you because you exhibit things that are harmful to me. And so there's like this positivity movement yeah, that is happening to re- as a reaction to that. And then this podcast that you're listening to is a reaction to the positivity movement. Yeah. In, you know, maybe how parents rear their children, how people face or engage in relationships. Yeah. And just like societally, how we respond to one another. So that's my theory. I've listened to zero minutes of this podcast. (laughs) So I am your guest as we talk through this. Yeah. I, I think on either end of this spectrum, when you are excessively positive or excessively negative, that is an unhealthy place to sway because you're not, you, you're, it, there's disillusionment on both sides. And on the positivity side, there is a tendency to not, to, to see things as you wish them to be more than they are in reality. So maybe it's like idealism and it's f- full-fledged unbridled state, you know? Yeah. Whereas on the opposite side, you are neglecting the good things that you have in your life. You are operating from a place that is void of great gratitude and thankfulness. And so I think either end of the spectrum is an unhealthy place for different reasons and operating in a place like 
when I think of those things, either of those things, I'm like, I don't want to have anything to do with either of those things because I want to operate from a place that is in alignment with truth and reality and be able to see things as they are, accept them as they are, and then move forward with wisdom to know how to handle it. So you're saying that one extreme only sees things through a negative lens or things ways that things could go wrong and then the other side only sees things you said as as you wish them mm-hmm. rather than they, what they really are so mm-hmm. but the, why is that bad why is it because that sounds like somebody who needs to be or wants to be hopeful or mm-hmm. like there's an idealism to it yeah yeah i think there's a difference between hope and positivity though in the sense that hopefulness a phrase that she actually says in this podcast episode was called toxic positivity with dr caroline leaf she's a neuroscientist we've talked about her before but a phrase that she uses is hope for the best plan for the worst and the way she kind of framed that was it is a good thing to have hope and to hope for an outcome that would be ideal Mm -hmm. but not to neglect the facts and the reality and the possibilities of what could happen, like how the outcome could be different than what we hope for. And so I think when it comes to idealism, I tend to be an idealistic person. So I'll just speak to my own thought on this. An issue that I can run into with idealism is that personally, is that even when I think of myself, mm-hmm. I can have a tendency to downplay or minimize my faults or failures because I'm operating in a mindset of what I had hoped to be or hoped to act. And when I'm not accepting the reality of my actions, of my words, but rather like my intent behind that and what I had hoped that that would convey or what I hoped that that would bring about, that I'm not accepting, that I'm not taking ownership of my actions. It's, it really leads to a lack of ownership in a lot of ways. And so I think being an idealistic person, like again, like I tend, tend to be, an, I love painting a picture of the ideal. Mm-hmm. A lot of times I think when people would hear me talk, I'm, I'm even thinking of listeners on this podcast, I'm always like trying to paint a picture of, what the ideal is. And I don't think there's something necessarily innately wrong with that, but it's when I can't accept what the outcome actually was. So like we're hope I'm hoping for the ideal, but what was the actual outcome? If mm-hmm. I can't accept what that actually was, then that's not living in a place of reality. It's living in a place of disillusionment. All right. So like, let's pretend like this is somebody in the workplace mm-hmm. and they're idealists and they have a hopefulness and it didn't plan. So I don't know, let's just say they are working with you to try and get a promotion. Mm-hmm. And there's a hopefulness that they have that they will get this role in the department mm-hmm. and get the pay raise and a more recognition. And so what kind of attitude would they, would somebody take on if they exhibit toxic positivity? Like how would that, person respond to say they go through the training or the 
the professional coaching you give them and it doesn't pan out. Yeah. Some examples of phrases that she gave that people tend to use with this toxic positivity is something like, well, everything happens for a reason. Or you just your classic, like everything's great. You know, how do you, how do you feel about not getting that promotion? Yeah, everything is fine. So that, that's, everything's fine. That's so so it's like, it's is, like a glossing over or brushing over of what would be a negative perceived as a negative feeling or a thought yeah. about that situation. So what that is doing is not taking away that negative thought. <laughs> it's just stunting the ability to process it. It's not actually removing it. It's stunting it. You're just avoiding it. Mm-hmm. And so I think a lot of times, you know, we in efforts to comfort other people, we can tend to say things like this, especially when maybe somebody's grieving. Sometimes yeah. we say things that are meant with the intention of being comforting, but just completely gloss over what that person is suffering or pain that they might be experiencing in that moment. It's not toxic positivity is not necessarily that hopefulness or idealism in and of itself. It's it's really glossing over or masking what would be considered a negative emotion with something that's like flippantly positive. I see. And what's the harm in that? So she said, she's a neuroscientist, so I know nothing about this. I cannot confirm or deny this. (laughs) But she said that it creates cognitive dissonance in a person's mind when they're trying to do that. They have this negative thought or feeling, and then they try to throw out something positive to counter it. Mm -hmm. It actually creates a cognitive dissonance in your brain that creates disruptions to the networks of the mind, brain, and body and leads to inflammation in your brain. And she said, where there's inflammation, there's vulnerability to disease. So it actually, your brain is like secreting protons, I guess. <laughs> and when there's the res- a response of pain, she said that your brain can't differentiate between physical pain versus like mental or emotional pain. Mm-hmm. And so you're creating, like your brain is still responding with this inflammatory response to the pain that you are avoiding. And so now that's a lot of speak that like is hard for me to follow because I'm not a neuroscientist, but it actually does something physically to your body when you do that. Yeah. I still think it's fascinating to hear somebody from the medical standpoint make this case that basically you shouldn't avoid negative feelings. You should press into them and be honest about where you're at with them. Yeah. And if you don't, she's saying that it causes issues where you're like responding to it physiologically with your body if you don't right tell yourself that this is actually what's happening yeah what what got you interested in this i do see a trend of through social media of just this kind of cancel culture oriented mindset towards quote unquote anything that's like toxic or negative or yeah. I'm just going to cut out whatever yep. is not good for me, you know? And so I was interested to hear from someone who is in like a research field, you know, and just data that's kind of coming up from operating in that kind of a mindset mm-hmm. where we're not going to be negative. We're just going to be positive. And what does that actually produce? Does that produce the outcome that we think? Yeah. It's funny because... I think the dawn of social media and being able to customize all of the way that you're consuming information 
to your liking mm-hmm. basically sets you up so that you are not watching or consuming anything you find uncomfortable or you find right. unpleasurable. And so this is probably just a discovery of something that we are doing societally mm-hmm. where we basically have everything that we consume customized. Yeah. And so, you know, we, we're we never bored. <laughs> we're never uncomfortable in terms of boredom mm-hmm. anymore because mm-hmm. there's endless ways to entertain yourself. Yeah. And this goes along with like our, you know, this is somewhat unrelated, but with this new video AI tool mm. called Sora that we, you and I watched yesterday. Mm-hmm. And it's such a threat to content creators or videographers and like graphic designers because some of the videos like you it's text to video and you type in this text box like show me three puppies playing in the snow with a blue sky on a sunny day yeah and the video is like so photorealistic it's wild so like there's these advancements and technology on that side There's also how we have everything catered to your interests and entertainment on the social media side. And what it does is it's creating this consumption culture Mm -hmm. where you're no longer going along with the creation mandate that has been instilled in us from the beginning Mm -hmm. as a shadow of like God, the ultimate creative designer. Mm -hmm. And instead like taking us to a place where we're not recognizing like here back to the toxic positivity we're recognizing that like this world of consumption where it's comfortable for us and customized to the things that are interesting to us is keeping us away from these things that are, you know, hard yeah, or boring yeah, or sad. Mm -hmm. And these are all full experiences of the human emotion that are preventing us from experiencing humanity like we're supposed to. Yeah. And so it's just like the science is catching up to exactly where you know what we've known to go against like who we are in terms of how we're created and what we're asked to do yeah i guess one of the initial things that kind of piqued my interest to go back to that question you asked about this was that god created us to experience feelings yeah and i don't think that suppressing them yeah was the design to be part of the human experience. And so, you know, the Bible is very clear. It says, be angry. It doesn't say don't be angry. It says, be angry and don't sin. Yeah, We should be angry about things that are wrong, that are not in alignment with truth, <laughs> that are harmful. You know, like there are things that we should be angry about. If somebody is going to hurt my child, we should be angry about that, you know? Mm -hmm. And so to try to shortcut our ability to feel things, we think that it's like a circuit board where we can just shut some off and keep others on, but that's not how feelings work. You shut off and you suppress your ability to feel negative things, you're also going to suppress your ability to feel positive ones. Right. And your ability to feel is going to be very surface level, period, on yeah. either end of the spectrum. And so it's not, it really stunts your ability to grow as a human being yeah. because the way that we experience growth and maturity 
is through the lessons of our failures. And when we cannot sit in the reality of our failures or the messes that we create because it's too uncomfortable and quote unquote negative, now you're stepping into a whole territory where we can't even recognize sinfulness or call it what it is. And so I just think that leads to a lot of disillusionment. Yeah. A world of hurt. <laughs> yeah. Where you basically aren't seeing the world correctly <laughs> to sim- oversimplify it because the job promotion you didn't get. Well, all things work together for the good of those who love him and are called to according to his purpose. And you just like gloss over it. Yeah. Without really making an assessment of like, how did that make you feel? And how's that manifesting in you because of that event and how it made you feel? Well, if you're just going to gloss it over with some Bible verse. Yeah. You're never going to get to the point where like, this is actually where I am. Right. No, actually, everything's good. All the things are good. And I don't think you, I think most people who have experienced this can agree with us in saying that there is no other role that you are more closely in touch with other people's emotions than being a parent Mm -hmm. and helping children explore, regulate, and navigate through the things that they feel. Mm -hmm. Because like explain how you like those differences between like feeling and emotions or like the expression of the feeling and yeah i think people confuse feelings and emotions feelings are the internal it's a mental process yeah and it's driven by the narratives that i write about people and the world like how i see the world and so the things that i feel like nobody else ever makes me feel anything that's a very mental intrinsic thing that i control yeah my expression of that feeling is an emotion. I emote, but there's a feeling that's often driving the emotion, right? And so the emotion would be like an angry outburst. The emotion would be a distancing my, you know, myself or shutting down, or the emotion would be what people see and observe, but the feeling, nobody has any idea what's actually driving that in me. Mm-hmm. And oftentimes we'll say like, oh, you're angry Mm -hmm. because you slammed a door. Well, anger can be driven by a lot of different feelings. It can be driven by sadness that masks itself in anger because that's a more powerful and less vulnerable emotion, expression of of the sadness, you know? It could be driven by grief. It could be driven by embarrassment. It could be driven by resentment. There's a lot of different feelings that can drive that, but we just call that anger. That's the expression yeah. That's not the feeling that's driving it though. So this is the problem where when we get into how to cope with what we feel, well, we're not even identifying the feeling in the first place because we're just dealing with the expression of it and then giving them some sort of way to deal with the quote unquote anger. And that's the emotional expression. That's not actually the feeling that mm-hmm. we should be <laughs> giving them a coping mechanism for. What was it that caused you to feel angry in the first place? Yeah. You know, and so as a society, you know, this Dr. Caroline Lee, she also says we, we have a mental health, you know, we call it a mental health crisis, but it's actually we have a feeling coping crisis because we don't even get to the point of identifying the feeling. We're just addressing the expressions of our feelings because we're too busy. We're, we're too busy covering that negative emotion with a positive rebuttal. Well, we're not self-reflecting. I see. What drives the expressions that we see in the first place? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it should not be surprising. We're in a we're in a distracted world. 
where you can entertain yourself endlessly until the moment you sleep from the moment you wake up. Mm-hmm. And it is so easy to, like, I just think back to, like, back in the olden times, people, like, wrote journals and books and, you know, I feel like that's just not as common of an exercise anymore. Mm-hmm. And when you like assess your own screen time and, you know, I'm not, I'm not, you know, immune from this. And and you like look at like a report of how much time you've spent on mm-hmm. your phone. Mm-hmm. Jeez, that's like a lot of time that yeah, is being sure. taken away towards those things. And so, yeah, it should not be surprising that one of the ways this is manifesting itself is you know, due to the endless supply of like entertainment and the ability to amuse yourself, the ability to consume, either be it through videos or literal food, like there's so much availability of food that you can basically numb yourself from these emotions. Mm-hmm. And we're in a culture that prioritizes comfort over several other things. Like we want our clothes to be comfortable, our car to be comfortable, the temperature in our house to be comfortable. Mm-hmm shoes we wear to be comfortable you know like so on and so forth that experiencing these human emotions which are totally part of like what it means to be human Mm -hmm. are so out of like what we are like they're so out of touch with this little world that we've built for ourselves Mm -hmm. this little world of comfort that we've built for ourselves and so it's like i said before it's just like if you have an awareness of why we were made what we were made for and who we are, like made in the image of God, this should not be surprising to you when mm-hmm. medicine is finally catching up to that notion of avoiding these things actually creates cognitive dissonance in your mind and prevents you from actually finding progress. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like I said, back to the parenting thing, like we have to know how to peel back behind the emotion that they're expressing. Yeah. And, when we like when i talk to evie and i'm able to get to like eve are you upset you know because your brother took away your balloon and when you make that connection for her it's like there's a sigh like there's a relief there's like a visible relief yeah that you see in her that i think if you just try to prevent her from like you know stop being angry stop being sad it doesn't get to the point of well, what's causing your sadness or anger to begin with? Yeah, I think the toxic positivity, the phrase would be like, it's okay, it's okay. Yeah. Or a kid gets hurt. It's okay, it's okay. I find my, even myself saying something like that. And it's, I stopped myself the other day and was like, what am I saying? Mm-hmm. If my child is hurt. Why am I creating this like mad cognitive dissonance for them when I'm like, it's okay, it's okay. You're hurt. It's okay. You know, mm-hmm. like what is that? teaching my child about pain and how they experience things you know yeah and so i've tried to even just have different phrases that i say like instead of saying it's okay when my kid gets hurt or you're okay i say hey i'm right here are you okay i just ask the question instead of trying to tell them how to feel in that situation i think another example is that example of evie getting upset over Jude taking the balloon, being able to identify the feeling that she's, it's actually driving her expression is injustice. Like she feels like she was wronged and the wrong needs to be made right. Jude needs to apologize. You know, he needs to give her back to her balloon. That's a really good feeling for her to be able to experience throughout her life. Right. And it shouldn't be suppressed. Suppressed. Yeah. 
And so being able, obviously, I'm not going to tell her, oh, Evie, that feeling is injustice. And this is what it means. All I need to say to her is look at Judah and say, Jude, it's wrong to take Evie's toy without asking. Yep. You need to apologize and make it right. So that she starts to learn when we do something wrong, we need to make it right. That's justice. Yeah. You know? And so it's those simple things of if we just stick to the emotional expression of Evie having the meltdown and we even even just affirming that, it's okay to feel angry. Well, she that's not really what's underneath that expression. It's her sense of injustice that she feels like was violated that really needs to be addressed so that she can learn when I feel like something has been wronged and it needs to be made right. How do I handle that? Yeah. That's what needs to be addressed. And so we're not getting to those levels as adults, let alone to be able to help our children (laughs) through that process, you know, thereby perpetuating. Yeah. We're continuing to perpetuate an inability to cope with feelings because we're still just addressing the, emotional expressions yeah yeah i love this because it goes back to this like basically this framework that we kind of just it's just like a very basic framework of how we understand like in order for you to find progress in what you feel like you're lacking in, like if you want to get to a certain place one of the first steps you need to take is like a recognition of like where are you truly like today Mm mm-hmm and suppressing it through this toxic positivity, like this lady said, prevents you from actually evaluating where you honestly are at mm-hmm. today. And so, yeah, it's just like a, it's it's a cool thing to see and to be able to like, you know, have like research to kind of pack this understanding that it's it's essential for you in, in all of the, like even like organizationally in order for you to be able to see progress, you have to be able to measure it. Mm-hmm. Um you know, in churches, you kind of measure progress through church attendance or how many baptisms that's beside the point as to whether or not that's, those are healthy metrics, but I'm saying metrics, right. And mm-hmm. so in assessing it for yourself, like with where you're at, some of that self-reflection needs to occur either, you know, for me most effectively. And I think this is for you as well. Like journaling mm-hmm. are some of the most helpful ways for whatever reason, putting pen to paper for me tends to make me slow down and ask myself some of the most rudimentary questions like how did I feel today you know summarize your day today how did that go and allowing to slow down enough and park your mind in the places where either you've subconsciously avoided Mm -hmm. and not been able to recognize that that's wreaking havoc on all of the other aspects of your life because it's this untouched thing or just being able to give it this right framework so that you're able to, you know, advance beyond it or, or improve upon it. So, yeah, it's been really cool to, you know, as, as you brought that up to just hear that maybe I'm not saying like it's good that this thing, this thing is happening because toxic positivity is kind of a pro, an abrasive phrase to say, mm-hmm. but she is trying to carry this point across that it actually is very harmful for you. Yeah. At the end of the day. So, yeah. I think the thought that I had after listening to that episode was in a spiritual sense, if you cannot acknowledge pain or suffering or sinfulness, then there is no room for redemption or reconciliation or healing. Like you cut off, like you are self-sufficient. Yeah. There is no need for it. And so our 
cutting off our ability to see those things, recognize those things, process those things, embrace those things, work through those things is keeping us from the very redemption, reconciliation, and healing that Christ like sacrificed his life for. You yeah. know? So it's kind of a big deal in a spiritual sense to be able to acknowledge those things and sit with them. Well, hey guys, thanks for listening to this episode of Table Talks with the Tares. We'd love to hear from you. And if there's something you'd specifically like for us to talk about, visit honors underscore dot com slash table talks to let us know. And if this episode was helpful to you, be sure to subscribe and to also share it with a friend. We really appreciate your support. All music is from the OG MJ Tare. Join us next time for another conversation at our table.